Well, this is Tracy Wild-Pace, and I'd like to welcome you to the Deep Dive podcast. Uh, We have a very, very special guest with us today, one that I have been looking forward to and feel very honored for him to come and even be a part of um, our little podcast here. But Dr. Dr. Christopher Yuan um, has taught Bible at the Moody Bible Institute for over 10 years. And he has an incredible speaking ministry on faith and sexuality, which has reached over five continents. He speaks at conferences, college campuses, and in churches. In fact, he just spoke at our church, Capital Church, here in Meridian, Idaho, this morning. And Christopher graduated from the Moody Bible Institute in 2005, and he has a really great story about, and he'll probably talk about it, um, about him getting uh, applying and then being accepted to that um, university. And then he also received his master's in biblical exegesis in 2007. And then he has his doctorate of ministry in 2014. If you, I know you're going to want to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to say it at the top of this podcast because I don't want to forget it at the end. You are going to definitely want to get both of his books. His first book he co-authored with his mom, um, Angela, who is maybe, I got to meet her this morning, maybe the sweetest human on planet earth. Um, He co-authored a book with his mom. It's called Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. There are 100,000 of these copies that have been sold, and they're now in seven languages, which is pretty amazing. His newest book um, is Holy Sexuality in the Gospel in Sex, Desire, and Relationship Shaped by God's Grand Story. This was written, was it 2019 that you wrote this book, Dr. Yuan? Mm -hmm. It came out in November 2018. 2018. But it has been named the 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach Magazines. That's a pretty amazing honor. Congratulations. Uh, They're both incredible books. I've read them both, and they've they've impacted me um, reading them, but also Dr. Yuan's story and his ability to communicate um, and the, the way I've been describing him to anyone is he does well communicating on any any topic I've heard you talk on is powerful, but you really do have the spirit of Jesus and you really do point people to Jesus, which I sure hope that's what people say about me. I'm going to work towards it because, man, you just have such a tender spirit and um, you feel the presence of Jesus and like the just the pleasure of God just to even be around you and hear your story. So. I want to make sure we talk about those books because by the end of this podcast, if you haven't already gone on your Amazon Prime right now, you will, by the end of this podcast, you will be ordering both of these books. And please do. Um, they are, I think they these are crucial books for this generation in our culture. And especially for those of you listening, if you're part of our Capital Young Adult community, um, if you haven't read these already, please grab them. So... This is why it's a great honor to have Dr. Yuan, because if you've been following us on the Deep Dive podcast, you know we're in the middle of a relationship series. We've been talking about um, relationships and um, our identity. If you've been following along on our services, we've been talking about the core values of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the first one we talked about was identity. And I think Dr. Yuan has a perfect blend of all those things um, between both of these podcasts. So it's kind of exciting to have him in what a perfect time of God. But before we get to all of that, I just want to give it over to Dr. Yuan to just kind of, if you're not familiar with his story and you haven't read 
any of his books or had the opportunity to hear him speak. He has probably one of the most incredible testimonies, and I want him to just give an overview of that, of how we come to how he's come to Jesus. And um, and I love this, how he, he went from being um, a prisoner to a professor. I don't mean to give too much away, but that's my favorite line. Uh, it's really powerful. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Oh, well, Yuan. Pastor Tracy, thanks for having my parents and I at Capitol and, and also just for this podcast. Yeah, praise God. Good to be here. Awesome. Yeah, well, you know, I was not raised in a Christian home, but I wrestled with my sexuality. And this is, I was born in 1970, so I was raised in the 70s. And during that time, not like now, where it's pretty much fully accepted and celebrated, it was not in the 70s or the 80s. You know, people are like, oh, I love the 80s. I hated the 80s. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of the 80s. And most of it was because. Um, it was tough for me as a kid growing up in the west suburbs of Chicago. And at that time, not many Asians, not much diversity there. So I stood out there. And then plus with the added struggle with my sexuality, that was a big stigma. No one talked Mm -hmm. about it. It just, it added and compounded the wrestle that I had. But I kept my feelings hidden. And my parents are Chinese. They were born in China, raised in Taiwan, and then Mm. came to the United States for graduate school. So, you know, the Chinese culture is, and I I would say pretty much any other culture other than the Western culture. So um, whether it's the African culture, or whether it's the uh, South American culture, or the Asian culture, Latin America culture, it's, you don't talk about sex. Mm. And, um, but oftentimes it's happening, you know, on the down low, but no one talk. And, and th- I'm talking churches. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about, you know, whether it's uh, in the Latin American churches or the African American churches or the Asian American churches. And so, but anyway, we were not Christian. And because of our culture, we didn't talk about sex. So I wrestled all alone all the way through high school, junior high. I, I was even in the Marine Corps, you know, I'm like, you know, because I was never called a man. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I got to prove. And, and the funny thing is, uh, it's not a big part of our culture, like as Asians, to go into military. Huh. And um, not at all. Like, my, we didn't, I mean, my parents left Taiwan, you know, and it was mandated then. They're like, why would you voluntarily go into the military? Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I, I've, I, I kind of felt like I want to prove myself to be a man. and But but anyway, I, you know, not a Christian then, went through there. It wasn't until my early 20s, I finally came out of the closet. Um, I was from Chicago, moved to Louisville, Kentucky uh, to pursue my doctorate in dentistry. And then I, I came out, I broke the news to my parents. Amazingly, through this crisis, uh, my mom comes to faith. Mm-hmm. Like it was, and you'll have to hear her part, side of the story. Then my dad comes to faith. And then I went in the opposite direction, and I was just just doing what all unbelieving kids, you know, young adults do: party, have fun, live it up. Well, I was I started doing drugs just for fun, you know. While I was a graduate student, I was eventually expelled. Hmm. Then I moved from Louisville to Atlanta, and I kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was party, do drugs, sell drugs, and eventually I became a supplier. Hmm. Then um, this whole time, my parents had no clue that I was doing drugs, uh, but they knew that I just needed Jesus. Mm. So they tried to reach out to me. I just pushed them further away. They came to visit me one time in Atlanta. I kicked them out. And and this is funny, uh, Tracy, that today you hear the narrative, whether it's from Hollywood or whether it's from media, that Christian parents, evangelical Bible-believing Christian parents, are unable to love their Mm. gay children. And you actually have to 
shed the, you know, what they call the bigoted, you know, homophobic teaching of the Bible Mm. and become a quote unquote so-called progressive Christian, which is, there's no such thing as that because you're just progressive, you're not Christian. But, uh, or you just become agnostic or whatever to actually then love your gay children. That's the message that you hear. You know, boy, you race. Maybe are you familiar with that? Is that the movie with, you know, all these you know Academy Award uh, winning actors and and it's just in your face that Christians, you know, cannot love their gay children. But Tracy, I had the exact opposite experience. My parents were not Christian, and they, in a sense, re- rejected me. And it wasn't until they became followers of Jesus Christ, born again believers, that they knew that they could do nothing other than to love me, wow. their gay son. Just as God loved them while they were sinners, not while they were better, not while they were getting better or, or becoming less sinners. No, while they were still sinners, and, and they loved me in that same way. So anyway, I kicked them out, uh, and uh, my dad gave me his Bible. I threw it in the trash can. That's how much I despise Christianity. Well, this things got worse and worse, and my parents prayed, and my mother's a prayer warrior. Like, when she became a Christian, it wasn't, she didn't do a 180, she did like a 720. You know what I mean? It was like, she was so radically... she would say she was an atheist before. Yes, yeah. Wow. She, um, she would say, I'm, I'm anything but a Christian. She had some really bad experiences mm. with some people that said they were Christian, you know, it was just a bad experience. And so she was like, whatever it is, I'm just not Christian. She couldn't, she just did not like Christians. But some people even said back when my mom was not a Christian, they said, oh, she's not Christian at all. And she said, and they would say of her, if Jesus Christ were to walk in front of her today, she would not believe. Like that's how much she just rejected that. Mm. And unfortunately it was because of Christians. That, and which is why it's so radical and so amazing and so phenomenal and so impossible that God saved her mm. first. And then, you know, my dad and, and then I was just going further and further and further away. Uh, but my mom, she just, she prayed and mm-hmm. she fasted. Um, and, and people are like, well, how did you do it? She's like, I don't know. She, you know it wasn't like she had a plan. It was just she read the Bible and the Bible says to fast and to pray, and she just did it, you know? So people Amazing. are like, so what did you do? How was your plan? And she just says, I just did it. Like, you know, the Bible says fast and pray, and I just did it. And but and, and the way that she says it is, it, it's it really, like, the fasting and praying comes from, like, our daily renewal. And mm-hmm. daily renewal comes from being intimate with Christ, and, and, and intimate with Christ is comes from our daily being in the Word of God. So it's it's it, it was just she was just in the Word of God, and that just made her fall more in love with Jesus, and that made her more intimate, and then just more you know, and then it just it was just everything was just outflowing. It wasn't really her doing it; it was just a natural outflowing of beginning with being just engrossed in the wow. Word of God every day. So she fasted for me. Um, she committed to fast every Monday for eight years, uh, or I mean, un- it was until I came home, and um, and she once fasted thirty nine days for me. Wow! Um, she had a prayer closet that was uh, she just she just needed her place to get away, you know, and and it, she would have post it notes of all her prayer requests, and and she likes to write out her prayers and. Um, and she, she kneels when she mm-hmm. reads and studies her Bible and she'll be there for hours. Wow. Um, but, uh, so she just prayed for a miracle. She prayed a really cr- crazy prayer, which was God do whatever it takes. 
And that's how desperate she was. Like, I mean, people are like, wow, you have so much faith. And, and she'll tell you, she'll be like, I had no faith. Like, I, 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 she says, I was so desperate that I had to just give it up to God. It was like, and, huh. and her fasting and her praying and, and all of that, she would just say, and her being in a prayer closet, she'd be like, it was, she had little faith. It was, she was just, you know, she could do nothing. And, but anyway, she did all that and fasting and praying. <laughs> I got worse. You know what I mean? Wow. When you're like praying and praying, you're like, God, I'm praying. And like, you're not answering and things are getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, it was just getting, I was getting so far into the drugs and and she didn't even know all that. She just knew that I was just gone mm-hmm. uh, so far from God. She just prayed um, and do whatever it takes, you know, for mom. That's, it's, that's a hard prayer. Yeah. You know, so many, I know so many parents are like, I'm not there yet. You know, well, I, I'm easier, scared. It's probably easier to manipulate the prayer, you yes, know, for a, yeah. for a parent or like you say, even Christian parents who have children that are prodigals or yeah. away from God. And you almost want to manipulate it. But your mom has this and you read about it in Out of a Far Country, her her just her genuine desperation mm-hmm. for her son. And I think a lot of it stemmed, at least when I read it and then hearing your mom and, and, and your dad and you share your story is there was this reality of I was once a sinner. Yes. And your mom recognizing that she was not worse or better mm, yeah. than you, that than her son that was far. Her, the first thing she needed to rec- realize that she says, you know, my sin, uh, you know, related to sexuality was no different than her sin of whatever pride or whatever. Yeah. And, and in God's eyes, it's the same. Wow. So, yeah. And so God did an amazing work in her and she just cried out to God. And this miracle came with my arrest. <laughs> <laughs> so I was arrested, found myself in jail mm. and um, walked around the cell block. And lo and behold, I find this new, uh, this Gideon's New Testament in the garbage can. Mm. And, and it's so funny because it wasn't even like mixed in with the garbage because I just wouldn't have touched it. Right. I'm I'm a little OCD yeah. and I'm like, that was just gross. But it was someone had just, just. Wow. Like it must have been, I, right before I walked by, just tossed, so it was right on top and it wasn't soiled or, you know, touching any of the gross stuff. And so, and I took it. Hmm. Took it back to my cell, but and, and as I said in the service, <laughs> I, I wasn't doing thinking like, yeah, here's the answer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was, I was just, I've got way too much time on my hands, <laughs> you know, so I've got to you do something. To, you needed just, to buy the time. I had to buy the time, and I just started reading it. But, you know, what we have in the Bible is the very breath of God. Yeah. And, and though I wasn't reading it as the Word of God, it still is the Word of God. You know, oh, I, it doesn't that. matter whether yeah. this is not the Word of God. It's still the Word of God, whether mm. you realize it or not. And I didn't realize it, but it was the Word of God and was penetrating my heart and exposing my sin and um, then I got worse news, and I found out that I was HIV positive. Mm. So then I, it was a few weeks after that, uh, in my cell, look up in, you know, I was just devastated. Um, I was just sentenced to six years. I was laying there, and I look up, and somebody scribbled, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> for I know the plans mm. that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And uh, and if you even read further on, it talks about how God is going to call Israel out of exile. And yeah. I'm like, wait, 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 I'm in exile. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm there. You know, that's, that's, that's me. That's my situation. And then they're in rebellion. I'm like, I, I'm in rebellion, God, and I have a plan for you, God was telling Israel. And I'm like, 
man, I mean, Israel had messed up and, and, and I, I can, if he has a plan for them, I can mm-hmm. have, he can have a plan for me. And I don't know what that meant though, but God just gave me enough faith to just get through those one day at a time. Well, it was, he was then began working with these idols that I had in my mm. life. Drugs was the first one, and then sexuality. And I just, I just wanted to ho- keep holding on. Yeah. Um, but as I kept reading more and more through the Bible, I realized I put my identity in the wrong thing. I had put my identity in my sexuality alone. This is who I am, mm. not how I am. This is who I am. And, uh, and I just, God miraculously helped me to recognize that, that I need to put my identity in Christ alone, nothing else. So that was really important for me to recognize that. Um, and God just pointed me that he was calling me into full-time vocational ministry <laughs> while I was in prison, you know. And uh, I applied to Bible college. I got accepted. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I needed references. <laughs> Three of them, by this the way. This is my favorite part. Yeah, I, I, I was able to persuade. And they had to be people who knew me as a Christian. Well, I wasn't a Christian before prison. I was only a mm. Christian in prison. So I was able to persuade a prison chaplain, a prison guard, and another inmate. <laughs> <laughs> so I was accepted and... Um, and then, you know, went on to get my master's and doctorate and was able to write my book. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, so it incredible. really is phenomenal, the, the grace of God in our lives, um, you know, in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves. Isn't that the part that, that's that grace yes. that we get to be Amen. parades of his grace? Like, yes. to think about your story, but your mom's story and your dad's story all intertwined. And God didn't have a plan just for you, but he right. had a plan for your parents yes. and you and all of you together. And yes. I think back to what you're saying about the word of God, it really does prove it's so living and active. It yes. was doing what it was purposed and sent Amen. to do, not just in your life, but it started by your mom's yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then your dad's yes to Jesus, yes. and then followed by your yes to Jesus, which I think is incredible how it's transformed not just your family and your life, but so many other people that mm-hmm. get to hear your story. And then what I'm it's just so profound to hear this journey. And then you write this memoir with your mom, yeah. and it gives this story, and everyone should read it. And then you write Holy Sexuality. Um, and the gospel and it gives this and we kind of talked about it briefly you and i before we got on the podcast but it's such a necessary topic right now understanding Mm -hmm. identity and you spoke to it is that these idols Mm -hmm. these things in your life and we all have them we do like no one listening Mm -hmm. myself included none of us are immune to having the propensity towards an idol whether it is sexuality or drugs or or influence you talked about it even this morning we live in a culture of influencers which is so scary because if we're not if we're not influenced by god uh the direction that we're leading young people and Mm -hmm. what we're being influenced by is can be very detrimental but you talk about identity in your book and I want you to, I just want to talk about that because we just did a core value series on it. It was the first one that I preached on because I think if you don't have your identity right, mm-hmm. you don't get anything else right. That's right. Yep. That's so spot on. And, and this is why I think Christians, when it comes to the matter of, you know, the gay community, lesbian, LGBT community, you know, the issue of homosexuality, we kind of miss something. Hmm. I'm not saying what we really get right is, especially among evangelical Bible-believing Christians, is we recognize the sinfulness of same-sex behavior. Right. But when we're trying to engage and share the gospel or share Christ with 
gay neighbors, gay coworkers, or whatever. We we want to always go first to the sinful behavior, mm-hmm. and that's what we need to do first is do some kind of some prerequisites. You know, when you go yeah, to college, yeah. you got to take some prerequisites. And, and what we need to do first is actually discuss this matter of identity. Because if we come at and they say, well, what you're doing is sinful, mm-hmm. they don't hear us saying, you know, your actions, uh, your relationships are sinful. What they hear us saying is your whole person yeah. is wretched mm-hmm. and, you know, disgusting to God. Because they cannot separate their behavior or even their attractions, or even their desires from their identity. So, you know, hmm. if you have a, a gay friend or neighbor, lesbian, you know, coworker, wh- whoever, you know, if you were just to ask them, you know, when you say I am lesbian, when you say I am gay, what do you mean? They will never say, this is what I do. Hmm. You know, right. they will not say, well, oh, when I say I am gay, I mean, this is what I feel. Hmm. No. What they will say is, when I say I'm gay, this is who I am. So when we have gone this this shift from what to who, we've created this radically distorted uh, view of personhood. That's why we have to begin first to understand the error that the world is seeing and I believe begin there because if we can help people to see and move them from sexuality is not a, you know, if we're going to get the more philosophical, theological terms, Mm -hmm. it's not an ontological category. In other words, it's not a matter of essence or personhood. It's not that. Rather, it's a matter of our experience. It's Mm -hmm. an existential reality of my feelings, my behaviors, so that's why, as I say, sexuality is not who we are, but hmm. it's how we are. Wow. And once we go there, I think it's easier. It's, it's more of a kind of easier road than to differentiate between who I am, my sinful behavior, my sinful desires, even my sin nature, being able to separate that, and then recognize I need a savior yeah. for these things. Right. I'm still loved by God because I'm creating God's image. Right. But I think that that's really a key part to begin there. Because if you have the wrong identity, then from that flows wrong thinking, wrong behavior, wrong relationships, all of that. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're that's the culture we live in is that identity yes. politics, you know, the the this is we we start with the wrong identity and mm-hmm. it puts us in a path and people get to the end of their life or far in their life and they they have no idea who they really are yes who god made them to be mm-hmm. and um their life reflects it so yes. the decisions they make the consequences that are in their life all of that is a reflection of not knowing our true identity and yep. you do such an amazing job of unpacking that you talk about that theological anthropology in mm-hmm. your book yes and the, the the genesis of what it means and and talk about those negative consequences and that's something we don't like to talk about right. in our culture is that there are negative consequences to wrong thinking yes and when we get the thinking right when yep. we when we get that the um the behavior follows exactly yep. it's not behavior modification no. it's it's belief it's yes. getting right thinking and belief and um and and you you really point us to that and you're uh, and for me and uh, uh you're i think a premier voice for this dr mm-hmm. yuan in Thank this you. day god has set you at such a time as this Praise to be that kind of voice and 
Um, and so also let's talk about uh, building on the identity. Then you go on to talk about holy sexuality yes. and what that term means. And I love yeah. that term. <laughs> I think you, I don't know if you coined it or whatever, but I'm giving you all the credit. Yeah. But yeah. what do you mean by that when you talk about holy sexuality? Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and part of this journey I talked about in my first book, and it was just recognizing that the, the the deficiency of this paradigm of this heterosexual bisexual homosexual paradigm because when we think about sexuality that's that's the only the only framework that we know hmm. and it's really a secular one it's it, it's not these are not words or concepts that we find in the bible that right. are like lifted up as this mm-hmm. is the standard you know heterosexuality is a standard and it's it's just basically a, a, a framework that's based upon the direction of our desires and behaviors. Well, that's not specific enough. God's really and, and if you notice my uh, my book, Tracy, the cover is black and white, and it's kind of like pretty basic. But I was intentional with that because. Huh. It was almost a response to the Fifty Shades of Grey. We're living in a oh, world of yeah. infinite shades of grey. Wow. And I wanted to communicate that biblical sexuality is black and white. Wow. Like there's no wiggle room or yeah. ambiguity no or like gray you know, area. you know, you know, <laughs> trying to blur the lines a yeah. little bit. No, God's sexual I mean, God's truth and God's vision for biblical sexuality is black and mm. white. But we want to like make it, and and I think sometimes as Christians, even conservative Christians, that are like, no, you know, and I hear the logic, homosexuality is not God's will. Yes, true. But then we make the mistake and say, so therefore heterosexuality is, you know, God didn't create mm. Adam and, you know, that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, you know, they'll say, <laughs> and not a good line, by the way, don't give that to the gay community, even though it makes sense and it's catchy and right. you know, rhymes. But, you know, the the reality is, we need to recognize a term. It's too broad that can actually include sinful behavior, like a, a guy sleeping with six women or many right. women or whatever, yeah. or cheating on his wife. You know, that's that's still a that's still heterosexuality, but it, it's not precise enough. And mm-hmm. that's why I needed to come up with this term, holy sexuality, because even heterosexuality says nothing about how a man or a woman who is not married shall live in holiness. So I mm-hmm. I did coin this term. Um, it's holy sexuality as a way to not just juxtapose, but almost to do away with the framework of this heterosexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality. Mm-hmm. But it's holy sexuality because it really, I wanted to use a term that was biblical, uh-huh. holiness, yeah. whereas these other terms were not. So holiness is our goal for everyone, not just those wrestling with sexuality, but everyone. And so the definition of that is quite simply, it's chastity and singleness or faithfulness in marriage. Mm. So chastity and singleness is if you're single, if you're not married, and we all start out as uh, unmarried. That means that we're going to be sexually abstinent, mm. and that's not a bad thing. It's we can do it joyously for the Lord. If if you're married, and most people do marry, uh, and and when I say marry, I'm not using the state definition. I'm using the biblical, biblical. definition. I'm using Jesus's words mm. in Mark ta- chapter ten and Matthew nineteen that God created the male and female; the two shall become one flesh. That's the only definition that we have in in the Bible. So when I say marriage, I'm using that definition, not any other. So when you're married. Opposite sex marriage, uh, how shall you live? You're going to be faithful to your spouse of the opposite sex. And I think that that perfectly lines up the only two paths that he has for us. Not necessarily choices, because I know singles that are like, well, you're going to choose to be single. And I'm like, well, you're exactly right. Mm. I, I don't know anyone who is born married. You yeah. know, <laughs> no one's born married. It's not a choice. It's just default. 
but I think that helps then to lay it all out and actually makes it a level playing field. Every person, doesn't matter if you have opposite sex attraction, same sex attraction, doesn't matter if you're man or woman, young or old, we all have to pursue holiness. And oh, that's what the holiness that, and you talk about it, God says to be holy as I'm holy. Yeah. And you, uh, that, to me, this holy sexuality is something that um, is so needed, that mm. we need to understand this concept. And you break it down in such a really tangible way of being able to process it and understand it. And you said it earlier and you say it in the book. It's like God doesn't say, you know, that he's a homosexual or he's a heterosexual. Right, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't, you know, and, he, and and then you say it too. Like God doesn't say the opposite of homosexuality mm-hmm. is heterosexuality. Yeah. The opposite of homosexuality is holiness. your words. Is holiness. And the opposite of every sin is holiness. Every sin. And heterosexual, like, and that's, as as Christians, no matter what, Mm -hmm. we are supposed to be holy as God is holy. That is our goal. And so that's in marriage. That's in singleness. That's wherever you find yourself on a spectrum uh, of emotions. Guess what? We are all called to be holy. I was single until I was 39. I just Mm. got married. Oh, great. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. I'll be married one year on New Year's Eve. So it was our fault that the year apparently of 2020, because we got married on New Year's Eve. I don't know what happened shifted in the world. Just kidding. We know it's not. It's awesome. But um, I I mean, I was a virgin. I wasn't. Mm. I was abstinent i was 39 you know Mm -hmm. which in the christian culture is basically like a death sentence you know like i was like so weird to be that age Mm -hmm. um before i got married but one of the things i always believed and you speak to this is that um god's not all about us being happy he's about us being holy and that's how i felt about marriage i remember reading Mm -hmm. tim keller's book the meaning of marriage Mm -hmm. and he speaks of that it's like marriage is not to make you happy it's to make you holy it's his institution and so Mm -hmm. you talk about um the the purpose of marriage in your book and you talk about the the role of singleness and i think both of those need to be discussed because it was not a curse to be single right it's not it was i I thoroughly enjoyed being single. I I was able to accomplish so many things. And the call of God upon my life during that season was critical in my singleness. And I didn't have to wait to do ministry till I was Mm. married. I didn't have to, you know, wait to further my education and do all these things. I was complete and whole Mm. in who God had made me as a single woman. Mm -hmm. And then I step into marriage. And guess what? Now I have a new call and a purpose. It's not neither as better or worse. Mm -hmm. They're both critical I think in and both good in both good yes um and and I'm so grateful that you you talk about this uh, yeah. it's a it's a it's a conversation I don't think we talk about enough or I don't hear it enough yep. so let's talk about well, that especially in the in the church because and, and I get it because you know we're I mean honestly we're all a product of the Reformation you know those of us that are I guess you know Protestant. Yeah. Um, we're we're, pro- we're products of the Reformation in that it was breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church because the abuse and kind of distortion of using tradition on the same level of Scripture, all of that. Yeah. But sometimes then it was just, well, what are you? Well, I'm whatever I am. I'm just not that. You know. Yeah. So so just because the Roman Catholics uh, they had a positive view of singleness. Although it was too far, where they would like it made it, you know, a sacrament, right. and God doesn't make it that. But they had a positive. So then, kind of the Reformation and all the reformers were like, well, 
singleness is bad. So yeah. there was, and then it kind of got this trend, and it, it's even seeped into kind of the modern church today, where. You know, I teach at Moody Bridal Institute, okay? <laughs> you know, so it's, you got to graduate, you know, yep. so I failed Moody because I didn't, you know, have a fiancé yeah. when I graduated as a senior, you know, senior. <laughs> and so there's this pressure, and and I just want to say, uh, people actually really wrestle, Tracy, with my message when I'm mm. speaking positively. I'm not talking about Christians, not non-Christians, that they say they they disagree. I, I even have people write reviews They're like, I love all that book, but those two chapters on singleness, he's, he got gets it wrong. Um, and, wow. and they don't understand that you can both say that singleness is, singleness is good and at the same time say that marriage is good. Like they think that I'm saying that Singleness is good as marriage is bad. And I mean, I can think back and and I I could see where maybe, because in my book, I am kind of knocking the idea that marriage is an idol. People often get very uh, like offensive or sensitive when I say that, but (laughs) I think it really is true. Like Moody Bridal Institute, um, we, we really push people. There was one time at the church and I... I'm a front row person, uh, and we I like to get there early, and you know we settle in, and you know people are gathering, and we I kind of like hear you know, it's kind of like you're you're eavesdropping, but you're pretending you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, you know they're talking, and some some young guy was just back um, in, in church and visiting, and he was talking to people, and he's like, oh, you know, I just met this girl this weekend, and then like, and then all of pe- people are like, oh my goodness, congratulations, we're so happy for you, you know, and I'm thinking they're like. He didn't do anything. Yeah, it's like they have like, to be married now. He's he hasn't gotten a job yet. Like he didn't oh, like gosh. you know get a degree. Like I mean, if he actually did something, you know, like congratulations. But like he just met someone. Like and we don't even know. Like is she a Christian? Is she like even a strong right. Christian? Oh, congrats! I'm so happy for you. We and don't even ask those questions. No, no, no. We just glorify. I'm so happy for couples. you. Yes, and mm. you know, or even like in churches where they're like, oh my goodness, like she's perfect, you know, they would be so good together. You know, he's a godly guy, she's a godly guy. And I just want to remind people, yeah. like, just because two people are Christian and they're like, love the Lord, doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be married to one right. another. You know what I mean? Is it God's will? Because you can have two people super, super godly. Like, let's say Billy Graham and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Ru- Ruth Belgram, you know, yeah. that, like, she just, she was like convinced, no, you're not the man because I'm, I, I'm going to China. You know what I mean? And two godly people. But then, you know, as you guys, if you guys know the story that God brought them together, but is it God's will? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, do I like this person? I, I tell my students this, you know, I know the world's telling you this, but we've distorted it. Yeah. Because honestly, Tracy, I think if we truly hold to the sanctity of marriage, which I do, mm-hmm. by us watering it down and almost demeaning it and treating it trivial, we're not holding to the sanctity of marriage. Wow. Like if we really hold it up like and say, this is holy. <laughs> like if someone says, I just met someone, I'd be like, is she Christian? Is it God's will? Like, you know, we should almost flip it when people are like, oh, I think God's, call, you know, you know, I, I'm called to be single. People are like, whoa, whoa, you got to pray fast about it. Like, I would say if someone comes to me, but like, you know, I met this girl. Well, you better pray and fast about it. And maybe Absolutely. that would like yeah. reduce all of the so-called Christian divorces that we have. Do you I, know what I mean? I absolutely. mean, because maybe people are getting married and it's like 
It's not, I'm not saying that it's not their will to get married. I'm just saying, well, maybe it's not your will to get married to that, that person. person. Or at that time. At that time, exactly. So so anyway, so I talk about that in the book. But then I, I and you know, the funny thing is, Tracy, I, I was just planning just to write one chapter on marriage and one chapter on single. This is in the slew of my chapters. Well, I was writing and writing and writing, and these chapters were <laughs> enormous. And actually, I went back to my notes just this past, you know, during COVID, and I was like, I cut out tons of stuff. And it was enormous chapters, and I ended up having to cut them in two. Wow. So I have two chapters on marriage, two chapters on singleness, and they're still big, but it's at the heart. It's in the middle of the book, which I think is perfect because it's the heart of it. Holy sexuality is that. Yep. I mean, we can't talk about sexuality without actually talking about the proper understanding of theology of marriage and theology of singleness. But the singleness, you know, I, I have to remind people, we really forget that our, our Savior Jesus right. was single, but not just single. He was single, and he began his ministry at 30. So doing a little bit of kind of historical context, the median age for a Jewish man in the, uh, to get married in, the first, in first century Israel was 18. Hmm. Median. Jesus was 30. Wow. And then when yeah. you read the rabbinic literature about rabbis uh, that were single, none. Mm. There was only one that was mentioned, and it was only because they were heavily criticizing him for being married, uh, 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 being unmarried as a rabbi. So none. So I mean, we. It's not really. It's not talked about because I think it was obvious to the first century people, the, the church. But we lose that, and we totally forget because, unfortunately, today. A lot of singles are, you know, older, and and some of it. I mean, not like situations like us, but people that are not Christian, they're single because they don't want to hold the responsibility, and they're trying to. That I get. So I know sometimes pastors are like you can't talk. You know, we have to. What we need are men that just need to hold responsibility and and get married. And I tell them actually, the issue for these men, they're not they're they're avoiding marriage for the wrong reasons. It's not that they need to hurry up and get married. Hmm. What they need is to be born again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like they need the Holy Spirit to come into yeah. their lives and change them because why are they shrugging off responsibility? Right. And it's marriage won't create that. That's no. <laughs> like isn't that Getting the worst? Getting married is not going to make them born again. Exactly. <laughs> or responsible. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's what happens. You have these yeah. like, I think sometimes people, you know, pushing them to get married. No, you need, and then they do. And then it's like, uh, well, they need to like be born again. They need to like be mature in Christ first. So I tell my students. Mm. You know, I love, you know, Jesus, you know, in the beginning created the male and female. This is Mark chapter 10 and Matthew 19, and the two shall become one flesh. And I tell my students, notice that the Bible does not say the two halves hmm. become one flesh. Right. You know, I know a lot of husbands, they're like very deprecating. This is my better wife, uh, better half, right? Yeah, better you know, half. and it's like, and maybe it's probably pretty true. <laughs> but, but I tell people, actually, we should never think about ourselves as halves hmm. because this is the only time in math where one plus one equals, equals one. one. Mm-hmm. Right? So I tell my students, before you become one, be whole. Mm-hmm. You have to be whole in Christ. Because if you try to become whole through marriage, you ain't going to become whole. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I tell people, you're going to end up just being a codependent mess. You know, right. And how many people have we seen that are like that? And it's like, no, you have to be whole in Christ. The best way to prepare for marriage is to be whole in Christ. Mm-hmm. I love that. And when I think about Jesus, and this was something that always ministered to me in mm. all the years of singleness and feeling a lot of pressure yeah. from people. I mean, I would get up to speak Dr. Yuan, and the person who was introducing me to be a guest speaker would 
almost always have to talk about my singleness and be like, mm. she's available. And if people, you know, we'll take applications. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. I'm more than my mm-hmm. <laughs> singleness or my right. marital status or my relationship status. Yes. But I always thought about it. And that used to bother me mm-hmm. or like make me feel like I wasn't whole that's mm-hmm. that's what it, it taught me that's what our culture kind of like when we say those kind of things not meaning to they weren't right. ill intended it's implied it's implied yes and so then i had i always felt like the mission god had given me as a single female pastor was to create this space for women to find out no you are whole in jesus yes Outside of, you know, being a wife or a mom yet, Mm -hmm. you and you alone are the one that God has just, he's called, he's appointed, he's anointed you to be who he's called you to be. And who do we have to look for? Just like you said, Jesus, who was the most contented person in history. Yes. Like, had no lack. Mm -hmm. Um, What a great example. fully human. Fully human. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, I'm so grateful that you have this conversation and you speak to your students. You're this. My favorite thing is that you are once a student in that Moody Bible Institute. Now you're a professor, um, <laughs> and you have this incredible ministry to travel all over and speak to um, all ages. And yes. the majority of our listeners are young adult um, age demographic, college students, or yes. you know, just young professionals. But a lot of them are in that season mm-hmm. transition from relationships, whether single into relationships, and. And I think we have to remember before anything else, and you do this so well, is that the real purpose of marriage, God is he's trying to make us holy through it. Yes. Yep. So if you're waiting to get married and you're, you're in that season of singleness and you desire to be married, then just let the Holy Spirit continue to work on you, that yeah. person. I love that one plus one equals one. Yes. So a whole person and a whole person will make a whole marriage yes. one day. But you are exactly where you need to be right now if you're single mm-hmm. and it is good. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and that does not negate that marriage is also good. Right. Which I love that you articulate. Um, because and I tell people, even having like a gift of singleness, people are sometimes afraid to say, oh, I have the gift of singleness. But I tell people, a gift of singleness doesn't have to be permanent. Right. So if you're single now, you have the gift of singleness. That doesn't mean then that you are going you are necessarily going to be single for eternity or you know forever in the on this side of glory, but it means <laughs> just at least now I'm going to view that my singleness can be used for God's good. I and I remember feeling that. I remember being yeah. like, "Oh Lord," you know, cuz I desired Take it away. to be yeah, it's like <laughs> I desired to be married and I remember asking people, I'm like, "Oh gosh, is this the call of God on my life? Mm. You know, is this forever?" But I always knew the promises of God and Amen. the faithfulness of God. But I could be completely content being single. Yes. So that when the time had come that this gift was no longer a season of singleness and it was going to step into marriage. Because one thing I've noticed, and, and and I'm sure that you've seen it, is I've noticed this trajectory in people's lives. And this may, this may be part of the high levels of divorce rates in the yeah. church, is if we're never satisfied and content as single, right. mm-hmm. what's to say we're going to be content when we're married? Mm-hmm. And when we're not content as, you know, a married couple without children— What's to say we're going to finally be content when we have these children? It's there's this it's just this long series of yep. discontentment yep. that I feel like if we can start right where we are and when you're single and you're following Jesus and you might not have everything that's in your heart yet, but when you learn to be like I am fully content in who I am and who yep. God's made me to be right now, then I believe marriage will have that much more 
uh, joy and abundance, and yes. and it'll be even more fruitful. Amen. Yes. And at least that's what I'm learning. And by yes. nine months of being married, Dr. Yuan. <laughs> that's awesome. Which is, which is not much. Honeymoon. It's not much. Yeah. But uh, discontentment in singleness leads to discontentment in marriage. Right. Yep. Totally. And I think we are called to raise up an amazing generation. And I love the tagline of your book, the subtitle. I love it. The grand story. Yes. I love that. It's, Sex design relationship shaped by God's grand story. And that's what it is. Yep. We're all a part of God's big. When people ask me, what's the Bible? I always like to dis- describe it as God's love story Amen. to humanity. We're, it's this meta narrative. It's this yes. story among stories. We're a part of it. Yes. The Bible not might not have been written to us, but it was certainly written for us. And we Amen. have the capacity now to like play into his story. God, what do you Amen. want from my life? You are an amazing example. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus and answering the call of God and by writing and speaking and letting the Holy Spirit use you in such a tremendous way. You are an impact. Um, I think beyond what you even know, the seeds you <laughs> plan you. plant here on earth will go for generations upon generations simply because of your yes. But before we leave, because we're about out of time, I just want you, and maybe our closing remarks is just to speak to someone who, maybe someone who's listening or has a relative or a friend who identifies as gay. Mm-hmm. What are some things that we should do and or things we should um, maybe not do yeah. as we um, as we just seek to love them? Yeah. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend, a coworker, or um, maybe it's even someone who's listening and sure. is really struggling and needing someone to give them some hope today. I just want you to speak to that. Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, w- there's a few things that you should not do. Don't feel that you always have to answer every question. Mm-hmm. Or even don't feel like when people are cornering us to say what we believe or force us to say what we believe, which really is their way of boxing us into their how they understand Christians to be, which is bigoted, homophobic, whatever, you know, all the other, sure. you know, names that they can call us. Don't allow them to do that. Because if we say yes to whatever the question they're saying or no, whatever, like, you know, do you think this is sin? And we say yes, well, then that's the end of the, you know, our relationship or whatever. Jesus did not answer every question. Right. He was silent before Pilate. Many times he gave a question in response to you know to the question and sometimes he would answer a question but it was a different question and it's because Jesus knew what was re- the real pressing question which was the ultimate question so when people ask do you think this is sin well that's even if i convinced them that it was they're still lost yeah like recognizing this as sin is not going to save anyone. It's an important truth, but it's not going to save them. And I want people to be saved. Uh, Like it's salvation and the renewal of a mind that's actually going to help us help them to understand this first. Um, So I I would say, don't feel that you have to answer every question. So if your loved one is always pressing you and it's okay to deflect. I mean, there's many different ways that you can do it. Like, I mean, you know, one way is I value, you know, you as my son or daughter. I love you as my friend or whatever more than debating all the time. Can we 
celebrate our similarities and tolerate our differences. Or if it's maybe a coworker, and you could say, you know, I actually know that you don't believe in God, so what does it matter to you what God thinks? <laughs> so instead, <laughs> a good let's talk about the existence yeah. of God because, mm-hmm. you know, if I talk about the existence of God, that gets me to Jesus, and then that gets them us to talk about the gospel. Yeah. So it's, it's these ways I'm not trying to avoid, but what I'm doing is redirecting to the more important question of God, Jesus, and the gospel. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, avoiding those things to do. But what can you do? Like, number one, pray. Yeah. I, I, we, I, I don't know if we're just, we've forgotten or we just, we don't really know how to pray and fast anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it's just we value this world and our and our own wants and desires too much. But pray and fast, you know, uh, um the War Room, you know, that was yeah. the movie was turned into a book, uh, and the book was written by Chris Fabry, uh, and we got a copy of it, and it was actually dedicated to my mom. They dedicated that book <gasps> no to my mom. Way. Yeah. So we have to pray and fast for people who wow. are just unable to intercede for themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think a good thing is listen. Like a yeah. big part in my first book, I um, when my mom asked me, she was visiting in prison, she asked, you know, what could I have done better as a mom? And by the mm. way, she would never have said that before. You know, it was just how God had brought yeah. her to a place of just humility and before her own child to say that. And I didn't know what to say, but she remembered that I said this, but she said that I said... Um, don't listen to my words, but listen to my heart. Wow. Because I think, yeah. you know, I would be like spouting stuff out, out and, and many, you know, some, if you're a parent and you know this, you know, your kids maybe do that all the time. But what we're, we're, we end up just listening to their words and getting angry, but like underneath it is pain. Yeah. Underneath it is this need. Um, and so it's kind of like trying to look past that to see what is like, what's underneath that. And that's, I know that's hard. But um, you know, I, but I think it's 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 really doing all we can to point people to Christ, yeah. not to heterosexuality, not even that. Oh, I pray that my son would you know break up with his partner, or that like my daughter would not get you know the sex reassignment surgery or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or what they call it gender confirmation surgery now. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, it's not possible for anyone to change their sex. But you know. That's really not as important as our loved ones to know Jesus. And how do we do that? Well, you open up your Bible, they're going to run or yell at you. But if we just ooze Jesus, if we just radiate Jesus, if we... I tell people, before you preach the gospel, you got to live it. Yeah, like, so I mean, I, before I even open my mouth, people should see something different. I mean, right. that's what I hope. I pray, mm-hmm. and I mean, I probably fail at that, but I want people that when, um, and that should be the same for all Christians. Like, if we're first day at work, and we they don't know us, maybe they just know our name and our name tag and our personal pronoun, right? Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, and we're working, and and like, we're just happy or like and or like there's a really hard uh, you know customer but we're like still not frazzled and there's something different mm. uh th- there needs to be something that we need to make following Jesus beautiful um and so our, do our kids see that mm. you know do they know we're christian like if we if they weren't with us on Sundays because we go to church, would they be able to actually see evidence of a born-again, renewed, like, 
just sold out for Jesus' life wow, in thought. our work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like in, in our home, mm-hmm. like if I'm mowing the lawn or whatever it is, like, like that, they can see Christ through that. I think that is the best apologetic, that is the <laughs> most evangelical, you know, evangelistic tool that we can Absolutely. use. And that would be like the, the most important thing that we need to do. Well, and Dr. Yuan, I think you do really well radiating Jesus. Yeah, that really is something like anyone who comes in contact with you has an opportunity like this. Such an honor just to have a conversation, to hear you speak. That is what you demonstrate. And that's what is shining through you. And we're so grateful for your story and your your mission and your call to God in ministry. Please read Dr. Yuan's books. <laughs> when I told him one of my favorite parts in Out of Far Country is when he describes how he got called to ministry yes. by another inmate. Yes. And now we get to see the fruits of um, that prophetic word, yes, seed, that was, was planted. And so. now you are walking in it, traveling all over right. the world, writing incredible books, speaking to young people parents, grandparents. And um, we're just so grateful that you have answered the call to speak on these topics, talk about identity, talk about holy sexuality, and give us a biblical framework, which we need in this generation, in this culture, so that we can also uh, point people to Jesus just as you so beautifully do in all of your words. So thank you. I could talk to you all day, (laughs) but you have something in a few minutes, so I have to let Dr. Yuan go, and he's busy. Pray for Dr. Yuan. He's with us in Idaho all week, and he is speaking more times than any of us would like to know. I think 32 times in like a week. So please be praying for him and his parents this week as they will be continuing. continuing these awesome, important conversations. And don't forget to get his books. You can go to Amazon. I'm sure you already all have ordered them. (laughs) And um, and just be excited about what God's doing in and through his ministry and his family. So we just pray blessings over you. Thanks so so much much for being a part of the Deep Dive podcast. We can't wait to to have you back one day, maybe. Yes, love to. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. We hope that you were encouraged. We want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. You can be listening in every week. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We have our Instagram at Capital Young Adults. We also have our Facebook page. We'd love if you would follow us on there. And also, if you have any prayer requests, we want to be praying with you. Shoot us a direct message or an email. That way we can be praying with you in this time. We love you guys. We hope you have the best week, and we can't wait to be back with you this time next week.